Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton, welcome to season 4 and the 99th episode of the Practice of Learning Things podcast show. On today's podcast we continue the series called Hop Into Action. I'm joined by Jeffrey Liff, Brett Robinson, Josh Bryant and Diane Archan as a group of Hop and Learning Teams practitioners looking to make sense of putting Hop Learning Teams and the 4Ds into action for organisations to learn and improve. Think of the series as a mini learning team. We have a theme for each episode and we allow it to evolve or devolve organically. Today, we explore the use of the 4Ds on the front line. What are we learning? Fixing the system and psychosocial risks with the 4Ds. So please sit back and enjoy this series of Hop Into Action, sponsored by Safety Differently Merch, providers of curated merchandise befitting your safety differently journey. It, it reminds me, Josh, of the suggestion box, that the size of the box told the worker how much the organization was prepared to listen. That's interesting. That's funny, Brent. But the size of the slips of paper was a, as an indicator of how much information we can take in one, one unit. And, and I've heard that, I've heard people say it's a new form of suggestion box. It's a new form of speaking up, and that rubs that rubs me a lot because that was not its intention. Its intention was to create a learning opportunity. And I don't want to go back to what Josh has said. I think you're absolutely right, Josh. It is the easiest way to start understanding what happens when nothing is happening. And it's just, you know, the wealth of information you get and the new insights and the learning that all parts of the organization from the individual right yeah. up to the organization. We haven't turned off, amazing. you know, looking at risk, looking at controls, understanding, you know, all our defenses. We haven't stopped that. Um, but the four Ds is more, it's another conduit for learning for us. So it's worked really well. Um, I've got a question for the group. Doing a four Ds as a worker, versus a conversation as a supervisor so brent robertson i don't know if you're in this space but whether a worker can put in a 4d themselves um and the benefit or negativity of making that anonymous um in my organ in my organization we don't make it anonymous because we have that really open relationship with our employees and our workers and our supervisors so there's no there's no real need for anonymity but do you see that, that, you know, workers, you know, anonymously putting in four Ds for the leadership team to see? Yeah, so I I find this bit really interesting. So we're using subcontractors. They've got um, stickers on their hard hats. Um, for them, it's about trust, I think, to start with. You know, it's about them being able to put something in with no fear or comeback on them to start with. And then when somebody goes and talks to that team as a team, and we're not, not the individual, 
um, then you'll get that feedback, you know, as long as they think that there's some trust there and it's not about them telling you stuff that's going wrong. Um, I've found it really interesting that it really helps. And then, you know, after a period of time, they'll put their name there, you know, and, you know, some of the forms we've used and some of the forms Brent's used gives them that option. If they want something sorted out straight away, they can put their name in a telephone number or an email address there so they can be contacted directly. Um, and I think it's just, you know, the co it's within the context of the construction space that we work in, that these guys are subcontractors to another contractor who is contracted to a general contractor. And, you know, there's been a lot of repri reprisal and um, stuff over the years for this stuff. So it's really building that confidence at a different level. You know, I'm blown away by some of the stuff we get out of it. You know, just some of the really positive, it, and you know, and I've said this numerous times, it has a financial benefit to the business sometimes, all the way down the line, from an improvement in process to an improvement in product. Um, and that's come from the frontline team. You know, it's not the project manager or the site supervisor picking it up. It's just these guys going, hey, the way this methodology is really difficult. And if, you know, and they self, they, they want to get off that side as quickly as they can, you know, and that's really um, changed that, that conversation you're having with them. It's really cool. So I, I like that it's coming from the front line. I can see that you could be overwhelmed and it could be weaponized from the front line, you know, dealing with some of the unions we deal with in different states. They could get hold of it and you know, I can see it being weaponized. Um, but I think you've got to work through that with your teams, you know, with your subcontracts and say, look, you know, we're just using this for understanding what's going on when there's nobody, you know, there's no supervisors there or there's no, there's no management team there. And we're really interested in what you guys are seeing. Um, and I think that, you know, I love that process, but I think you need a mechanism to say, okay, we're getting these themes because otherwise, you know, back to your point, Josh, and the way you guys are using it, it's not just about the individual things. You can't fix all the things that are going on. Um, where we've seen quite a few come in is at the end of projects when, the escalation of pressure goes up to get it finished by a particular date. And, you know, instead of having 70 people on site, you've got 250 people on site from nine different contractors all walking over the top of each other, all in boom lifts. And, the you know, the risks are now gone through the roof, right? Well, the risks are the same, but the opportunity for something going horribly wrong is increased. And... That's some of the feedback we've got. So we can go and talk to the, the GC or the general contractor and say, hey, you know, this is crazy. Why don't we do this on the weekend and we can these guys can do that and help that coordination process. Um, but you do need to have a mechanism that lets you understand what the themes are and understand what teams are dealing with. And, you know, and, you know Brent Sutton's been really strong on this point. Some teams are, are reporting it they're dealing with it and other teams are reporting it and not dealing with it you know it comes from the sentiment that we're getting from that that stuff as well that, and i'm i'm really interested in how that rolls out over the next couple of years you know as we get more and more data and and um some of those trends that that we're going to learn and some of this, just some of the stuff we're going to uncover that we go god yeah and you guys you know 
Mitchell services, you've uncovered that. Like, how do we not know that? You know? <laughs> And we've all, yeah. we're all and our, that, our we're all board for the use of the 4Ds, like the the most interest that the board has in the 4D outcomes is the systems issues. They want to know what the 4Ds have uncovered from a systems yep. point of view because that is owned by leadership and leadership can make adjustments to those systems and make those changes. That's That's where it's really important to understand themes rather than going to them with 60 or 70 line items and saying, oh, yeah, you know, this this worker found that there was no kick plate on this step and it actually caused a dangerous hazard. That is not what the board want to see. But from leaders and supervisors, we do want to know that because that's an everyday rub for a worker. Whereas a board, they want to understand themes. Yep. Yep. Which is, you know, that isn't that exciting that the board Yeah, and that's, that's genuine. They now. are genuinely you know. interested. They... They cover off critical risk management. They want to know that, you know, where are the critical control fails? What are we doing about it? They they don't care about the numbers game. They want to know about the detail of the critical risk failures. And now they want to know the details of the themes that the 4Ds are actually, you know, what are those insights showing us? Well, that, that was one of the questions we got the other day was, oh, you know, how many did you get last month? You know what? I'm not going to tell you. How many things did we fix last month? That's a much better question. How many things did we learn last month? That's a really cool question. But that might not that might come from 50, 64 Ds, but it's three themes and hey, we've learned something new this month. That's what I like about it, you know. But we're so focused on a number. And I think a number derails it sometimes. So could I be brave to say that we're shifting performance measurement? from a traditional uh, quantitative or qualitative to an evaluative measure. So there's always going to be a need to measure something. So, so I don't think we should shy away the fact that we've had X number of engagements or X amount of you know, communications, all that stuff is, is, is relevant because it, it, it tells us that something is happening as you talked about, Josh, doesn't tell you why or how. And it's that evaluative component. So for me, it's things like, you know, we, we had X number of engagements for this period of time. These were the these were the, um, the themes that came from those engagements. Here were the learnings that we took from those engagements. And here were the improvements that were applied to the system. That's evaluative. Yeah, I really like that. And again, um, and we cover this in the book in a, in a little bit of detail as well. When you're getting this information in, you need to make a decision. Like if you're if it's unlocking um, a risk, you know, am I willing to wear that risk? Is the business ready, ready? You know, are we willing to wear that risk? Is that something we need to act on like right now? Like that is a, a major risk to business we need to act now or is it something we need to step back from and do a little bit more learning yeah but but it's interesting josh that we're not creating a new risk we're making visible the risks that were always present but in that gray space between the organization handing it over to the worker and the worker having to perform normal work. 
I think your your comment, you know, I'm reminded of the the old tech doc, you know, that talks about when we move from a rule based stance where we're measuring compliance or or injuries, we move into a system based stance where we're looking at how many work observations did we do? What is our percent complete at training? You know, the quantification of our safety management document artifacts. And then they've been telling us for 20 years to move into this learning and improvement mode and mindset. And so, you know, to that end, I, I, I pick up on what Robo said earlier is I'm really interested to see where this goes. I mean, now that it's kind of going out and propagating and lots of people are getting experience with it, we really want to keep connection, I think, with those that are experimenting so that we can help if if be, be we can be the rumble strips if they're going a little off 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 to the left or right um but to see to 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 learn you know how how much and what organizations and in what types of organizations is the sort of information um that we get uh, are they all fixes are they all expenditures or some of them information we learn uh, can we pass on information like what do the resolutions consist of you know resolving some of these issues and what do we see trending and and then how do we quantify learning and improvement and the scope and scale of the improvements we come up with and the benefit to the organization i think that's um the, people are struggling in this question. new psychosocial space so you know we've seen a number in in my country in australia we've seen a number of codes of practices um brought in across a number of states really making sure that businesses understand their psychosocial hazards and we've got things in place like diane i know that you've done a lot of work in that space so you know what did what did the four d's actually uncover in that space like because people people are really struggling where to start um they're looking for guidance um and i i know you unlocked a lot of value by using the the 4d's methodology yeah yeah we we did um so you, we were asked specifically to to look at it, sort of issues of bullying and aggression and you know using the 4d's we were able to go right into where the work puts pressure on people so everyone everyone experiences um life through emotions and um, thick thoughts, those types of things. And what we found with the four Ds is the, those contexts allowed people to really open up and be vulnerable about how they're feeling. And, you know, so much of our time, we've been focused on those acute and chronic health-related issues, and we've completely missed this, the psychological harm over the top. And so with the four Ds, when you're able to kind of go, what is, how do you feel? How does, how do these situations make you feel? What does this work look like um, that you're seeing in terms of how it's structured? What, what does that have to you as, as, as a, as a human being? So it, it's a way to almost humanize th that element, which is what psychosocial risks are all about. Um, and I kind of talk in the book about, we kind of, when we moved into this new knowledge-based way of thinking and working, we kind of thought actually everyone can cope with it because we don't see those manifestations as much through a physical element that we can track, for example. I mean, there's turnover, but, you know, some people are just like, oh, yeah, that person, they just, this, this environment isn't right for them, rather than thinking, how should we have made the environment work for them? And so being able to see what, what's happening with the 40s. You know, I was in a conversation even just yesterday um, with a team and, you know, they do a 10 and a half hour shift. 
and you know these are these are guys who are in the machine you know they operate machines um all day every day six six and six days a week um ten and a half hours and they were talking about the psychological and psychosocial risks that were coming up how it impacted their families how it impacted um their interactions with each other, all of those types of things. Um, so be, it just allows the space for people to talk around their lived experiences a little more. And from that, you can kind of go, well, actually, we've been talking about fatigue. We actually have built into the system 10 and a half hours of people working. And then we've kind of told them, actually, here's a, here's a um, well-being program, everyone get more rest. Well, they can't get more rest because by the time they're trying to have quality of life with their family, that's that's all gone. So when you start looking at it from, from that perspective, the so 45,003, the key components of that, and you look at what you're learning from the four Ds, it's really easy to see um, where you can be having good conversations to learn how about how to manage those psychosocial risks. Like, do you go tell me how your work's difficult or do you tell me like how how do you actually what's the mechanics of it like that's what i'm trying to understand as well like i i, I get that you can ask the questions oh. and bring out those psychosocial risks but how how do you actually apply the four d's themselves like what types of questions do you ask well we, we look at the themes right so um and you are sort of we do use a system of gathering four days beforehand and kind of go into a session and kind of go, guys, what what's on what's on the top of top of your heads today? What do you want to talk about? And so um, the session that I just did yesterday, everyone said, well, this is something that keeps coming up because what they've done is they've actually incorporated um, four days in place of their safety moment because they were like, well, the safety moment doesn't actually mean much, but a four days can allow us to see, well, what are we doing um, or what have we experienced during the day? And so in this particular element, they were talking about customer behavior. And so we, I said, okay, let's, let's delve into that. What is it about? customer behavior and then we work through each of these elements um, we could start seeing the impact on them as individuals in terms of we're having to deal with um, you know customers who essentially don't know what they don't know even though they've been apparently inducted into that space so you could start sort of going okay here is what human error is showing us and those you know with the customers not knowing what they're supposed to be doing because the induction process isn't good but the same thing for our guys they were able to say well this is how we experience it and this is how it puts pressure and frustrations on us and this is how this is actually impacting us as people so being able to humanize that element um, and I've been really surprised and Brent you know you've seen this with me as well where people are so I think that COVID has brought up the ability for people to talk about their feelings more. And I, I just find that's where people go. It's this restorative component where they can talk about this is what the work pressures or this is how work um, does affect me. And here are the, when we're focusing on the four Ds, we're focusing on those system elements. So it's not about sort of people, it's not about individuals, it's about how the work is really impacted. And you can see the, that even in what we think is industrial work, there are a large amount of 
cognitive load that's in there. And so when we think of harm in all three elements, not separated, we can, you know, we, we should embrace that complexity, that uh, psychosocial risk element again becomes really clear. So I, I don't know what it is, Josh, I think it's all in the conversation. It's allowing them that space to come out. Um, Brent, do you, Brent, do you have anything else to add? It's a, it's a tough one because there's a reason why it is a complex risk. And we can't use linear thinking. So the four Ds simply creates visibility to the complexity. What I like about it is that it shifts it from the organization looking at symptoms and behaviors and outcomes where the four Ds purely focus on the conditions that are present that allows those symptoms and behaviors to come out. I've always said that psychosocial risks by their nature aren't fixable. They, if anything, are better understandable. But what Diane and I have observed um, in this process, and I think Josh, even in some of your stuff, changing work design has a major impact. And when I say impact, I mean in a positive way of reducing that angst or giving more resilience or more capacity in the system around that psychosocial component. And I think as it shift from, I, th I think a lot of what I see in health and wellbeing is fix the person as though it's a person problem. So when we talk about fatigue, they're saying it's a person problem or distraction, all these other human error things we keep focusing on, they're system induced. How do we improve the system? And, and, and I'm not talking about making life, I'm not talking about utopia, I'm not talking about everyone gets wings and we all become angels and float around. I'm, I'm really trying to focus on the fact that um, there are, are critical steps like, like what, we, what we're seeing, the type of work that we're doing is where, and I'll, I'll use an analogy that I got from the guys at, um, at Schindler, you're either an inch or a second from harm. And when you're looking at those critical steps, that is where you want to understand not only the acute component, the chronic component, but also that psychosocial component. Welcome to Safety Differently Merchandise, the premium sponsor for the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning Teams. Safety Differently. Safety 2. And the New View. Please visit the store and purchase our fine goods at safetydifferentlymerch.com. And now, back to the show.